Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of a heel that goes up a little, just a, just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I don't know why you'd return anything, because what? (laughs) But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee, so if the dryer or your dog eats a sock, or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. (laughs) That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintage colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. I'm Matt. I'm Dory. And we're here in June. This is the last podcast of June. So get rid of that June gloom, everybody. July is coming. Yep. July is coming. Uh... If you haven't pre-ordered Dory's book, you have one more day to do that. Comes out on Tuesday. Tuesday, June 29th. My book will be out. If you'd like to line up at midnight at a Barnes and Noble, <laughs> it will not open until the regular time. But you may do that. Uh, um, it's the last, also the last chance to buy tickets to my launch event. My launch event is Monday and Tuesday. I believe they will be selling tickets right up until the event starts. What's the time on that, Eastern? Um, 8 p.m. Eastern. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. If you're going to be home and like, oh, I don't have a ton to do, but why don't you support Dory by heading over to her book launch event? Uh, link in the description of the show. Yeah. And if you get the paid ticket to the event, you will get a personalized hardcover copy of the book sent to your home which is being sold through independent bookseller book soup out here in los angeles yeah, great so bookstore. you can support an indie bookstore and dory shafrir an indie book lady <laughs> uh 
And if you already bought the book, you can go uh, without having to buy the book again. And 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 but you do have to sign up and get tickets if you want access to the chat. That's a little bit of an extra cost, but a lot more fun. And you can do that too. Link in the description. Link in the show notes. Um, and I also, you know, my publisher has told me that the pre-sales have been strong, mm. but she has not said bananas, huh? No, not bananas. And I would say like not quite strong enough to get me on that New York Times bestseller list territory. So Fuck. I would just say, I'm please, if you have not yet bought the book, buy it this week. We have this week. This is the week. This is the week. This this it's all come down to this week. Please show up for Dory. Order the book. Hey, maybe you like conglomerate mega bookstores. Order it there. Do what you need to do. Do what you need to do. Get your hands on a copy of Thanks for Waiting, a starred book review from Publishers Weekly. A review, I would say, is a rave. I mean, it's like the best review of anything I've ever known anybody personally. I subsequently got a kind of mediocre review in another trade publication, but the wonderful review is one that I will remember. It said that... Sounds like you're remembering the other one. This coming-of-age story raises the bar. There you go. Bar raised. The bar has been raised. Other insider magazine bar set previously <laughs> and met. What? <laughs> Probably. Um, and then the only other thing that I just want to mention is if you do get the book and you post about it on social media... Please tag me. I'm at Dory on Twitter and Instagram and use the hashtag thanks for waiting book so I can repost. But also, if it's bad, why would you tag her? It's so mean. Yeah, don't tag me if you read it and you're like, this book sucks. But if you like it, please, please tag me. I think you'll like it, everyone um, who listens to the show. We also got we got a text from Beth in Edmonton and oh I should also say some people who pre-ordered it through independent bookstores the bookstores got them in a little early and they've been able to pick them up. That's cool. Um and when I asked my publisher about this they said that the warehouse like there's been so many shipping issues lately and they were worried about 4th of July like slowing things down so they shipped them out early instead of shipping them out late which yeah. you know i appreciate anyway so beth in edmonton has already gotten her book mm-hmm. and she texted to say dory i picked up the book this am i'm about to start chapter six and feel so lucky to have a head start on it i also feel like i'm reading many of my own thoughts the details may be different although many of them are the same but the feelings are the same i think i will learn so much about myself reading this as i do listening to you and matt each week thanks for that also, in my mind, we have been friends for years, but I feel like it could happen IRL if we ever could bump into each other. Okay, back to this great new book I just got. There you go. So, there you go. Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Yep. Home of the Heart Foundation, I believe. Okay. Jim the Anvil. Uh, well, look, I'm just trying to think of all the great wrestlers coming out of Alberta. <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, so book is coming. Dory's brain, uh, you would say, probably mostly occupied by that. Yeah, yeah. I would say. How, what's your brain occupied by? Currently? Yeah. Baseball. Okay. I'm in a heavy baseball rotation right now. 
not a not a rotation of fat baseball players. I'm not in a heavy ba- baseball <laughs> rotation. What I mean, I'd like to be though. If anyone wants to start one, uh, I've been watching a lot of baseball. I've been playing a lot of MLB The Show on on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Uh, also maintaining a golf game, and in the meantime, also like fielding telephone calls and Zoom meetings for various other projects that are actually related related to work. So you know. I've got a meeting mm-hmm. on Tuesday. I've got, I've got a, I've got a pilot to outline this week, and some golf to play. I mean, that's just, it's just, you know, it's a busy, it's a busy in the brain week. I haven't told anybody I'm working with that I'm leaving in uh, on Saturday. <laughs> I will break it to them eventually, I guess. Are you, what's your, what's your work plan for, um, for while we're away? Uh, I can do most everything on my iPad. Mm -hmm. I am a little weary of like what the actual, how the podcast recording is happening. I think we'll do it the same way we did when we went to Cayucos. No, I'm, I'm talking about like Star Trek. Oh, that. that. stuff that i actually would need to like i don't know it's hard to do elsewhere because of like all this like the monitor space i have and the fact that i record play those sounds right cetera, right, cetera, right, right 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 that i can't do on an ipad right hmm hmm so so what are you gonna do i don't know okay I haven't quite figured that out yet. I right. think maybe Andy and I could record ahead. It's not happening. Yeah. We're still like, he, he wanted to record yesterday. I couldn't because, you know, Henry is alive and on the weekends. Yeah. And then he wanted to record today. And I was like, I'm recording two already. Mm. So tomorrow, one o'clock, we'll record <laughs> something. Okay. But, yeah, I don't know. We've got five days. I mean, if we could record every day, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I got to work that schedule out. So. Yeah. Other disasters in life. Let's see. The place we're going doesn't have air conditioning. Found that out yesterday. Nope. Found out Friday night. Quite traumatizing. I found out about these little portable fan air conditioner things. I saw those, yeah. Um, I'm going to get us a couple, I think. Because my friend Caroline, who runs, who uh, hosts G Thanks, just bought it, the podcast. Yeah, she tested out a bunch, and she said that these actually work. And I te- I texted her, and I was like, "Do these actually work? Because we're going to a house with no air conditioning." And she was like, "These will be great for that." So great. I was like, "At least we'll be able to like put them on. I'll be able to blast one on Matt while he sleeps." That's what I need. And, I need to be put on blast while I sleep. <laughs> and and she said it would be. She said it would be good. She said. Um, you could also get a couple fans and then it would create a nice cross breeze. Uh, whatever. I'm going to try to be in a polar vortex. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm also thinking like, I don't think it's going to be, it's not going to be like, it's going to be pretty hot these next couple days in the Berkshires, but not when we're there. Like it's going to be warm, but not so far super hot. It's two weeks away. So they didn't know it would be this hot two weeks ago. Mm. So, well, Dory's a big, long, she's a big 10-day forecast believer, <laughs> which I'd find to be hilarious. Um, 
it gets you know it gets less predictable the further out it goes. I'm honey. aware. I'm very All right, aware. Because like you're really hinging a lot on this. Two weeks from now, it's not going to be that hot. Well, I'm just saying. Like all it takes is one pressure system moving in from the sure. from the north, sure, or something or whatever. However, pressure systems move. Yeah. And then you're in for a treat that is not a design. It's a not a treat. Opposite of treat, trick. (laughs) So I don't know. I'm planning on taking next week like mostly off. Like I'm going dark on the podcast on Forever Thirty Five. Um, like real somber. You know what I mean. I know, but I'm making jokes. That's what I do. What you do? You love a joke. Love a joke. Maybe we could record on Friday night before we leave. Yeah, we'll be packed by then for sure. No question. Why are you like this? Like a realistic human being who wants to set expectations uh-huh. only to meet them. Yeah. Maybe exceed them. Mm. I'd like us to be packed and in the plane by Thursday. <laughs> um, yeah, the plane is going to be interesting, but... We'll we'll see. We'll see how that goes. <sighs> we got to crack open that. Bo is going to be here, by the way. So anyone planning on robbing our house? Uh, good luck. You'll get eaten by Bo. You'll get eaten by Bo. Bo's not going to be here alone. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so everyone is aware. <laughs> We're not just leaving the dog alone in a house for two weeks. Oh, God. Poor Bo. Yeah, he'd be fine. He'd figure it away. He'd probably turn the faucet on with his paw. Order Postmates with the, with his nose. He'd definitely turn on the PlayStation, which is what he did yes. this this afternoon. He laid down on the couch, <laughs> turned on the PlayStation, which turned off the Red Sox Yankees game. <laughs> oh, Bobo. Yeah. Um, Henry was in a real mood today. Henry was in a mood. I mean, he's getting to be a little bit. Oh, I mean, he started preschool last week. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah, we didn't. I don't know, guys, what to think of this whole Henry starting preschool situation because it's not preschool. It's a two-day-a-week program for the summer where one of us takes him and stays there the whole time for upwards of just an hour and a half, I think. Yeah. But you'd be surprised at how little listening Henry can do in 90 (laughs) minutes. So, I mean, look, he loves to wash his hands repeatedly. Um, and by wash his hands, I mean, he just likes to turn on a faucet and keep using the automatic soap dispenser. Yeah. He doesn't think it's ever enough soap. Then he likes to go walk out to the sand, cover his hands in wet, dirty sand, and then look at me and go, <laughs> better wash these, huh? <laughs> he was doing that to me on monday also (laughs) and uh circle time you know he's not super into it although he did like lay on my lap during circle time like staring at the people and then like once everybody started clapping at the same time during the songs he kind of like got up and was like what is what is everyone doing (laughs) so i don't fear him being indoctrinated by a cult he's already suspicious of preschool circle time (laughs) Uh, I mean, right when he, probably right when he starts getting used to it, we're going to be gone for two weeks. 
You're right. Maybe we could leave earlier. Like Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whatever. It, and then, like, the guy, the instructor was, like, telling me, oh, we like to get, because I was standing, but, like, up in the corner. Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't love sitting on the floor because my back. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, just so you know, we like to get low in here, you know, so we're eye level with the kids. I was like, okay. I'm sorry. I crouched down like a fucking catcher waiting for a fastball. <laughs> Instead, I've got Henry going by me. It was fine. I mean, it's, my back didn't actually hurt at all, so it was, worked out fine. But, like, I was like, this is very presumptuous of you to tell me to get low. <laughs> Presuming a lot about my back. I think if you really had an issue, you could say. Oh, I would I have, have and I'm back. sure I would have been totally understanding. Yeah, there's also a couch. Yes, but the couch is not near our son. I mean, it's not far. Near. Far. Yeah. Um, wherever you are, yeah. Celine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, yeah. Ms. Dion. <sighs> so yeah, so that happened. Is she French Canadian or French? She's French Canadian. We. Oui. Yep. Um. Yeah, I think that's kind of everything that's happening. That's a, that's it. That's everything that's happening with us. And it's, we're getting to the part of the show. Where we're going to find out what's happening with you. Mm-hmm. That's true. And we're actually going to put out our own signal. Because oh, we yeah. have a question. Oh yeah, we do have a question. But we're not going to do that till after the break. Ooh, okay. Teaser! <laughs> Email us, storyandmatt at gmail.com or mattanddory at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a voicemail, you can do that. 413-461-BABY is the number you want to punch in there. If you feel like just recording a voice memo and emailing that, you'll not only get great audio quality, but you want it to pay any phone toll bills or whatevers. So if you're international, it's a great way to go. Otherwise, thank you for uh, getting through this with the air conditioning hum. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. We will be right back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombus just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks. Tees and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including 
the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of a heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I don't know why you'd return anything because what? (laughs) But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. (laughs) That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Hi, everyone. We're back. Hello. Oh, boy. So. Here's our signal. So a few months ago, I was singing to Henry. I was singing a lullaby. You know, the lullaby that goes lullaby and good night, close your like the classic lullaby. And his little lips started quivering, his eyes filled with tears. He looked so sad. Like mm-hmm. like deep sadness had overtaken him. Mm-hmm. And it happened almost instantaneously. Yes. I was like, holy shit. So and Matt didn't like really believe me. <laughs> and then you you observed it another time. I don't think that that's true that I didn't believe you. I think that is true. Mm. You were just like, what? Anyway, point is, it was real. So we stopped singing that song, obviously, because we were like, okay, I guess that song really upsets him. And then yesterday, he was watching some YouTube videos that actually an egghead had recommended. There's a speech language pathologist named Rachel who has all these quite annoying videos that Henry to loves. adults, but children Yes, children, he, he's like captivated by them. And it's all like helping kids who have a speech delay talk. Ah, uh, it was Brahms who wrote it. Who wrote what? The lullaby. Oh. Um, so she's like singing these songs, Old MacDonald and, you know, whatever, kid songs. And then... She starts singing, hush, little baby, don't. I th- except I think she was singing about a bunny or a rabbit. I don't know. It was that tune. It was that tune. And the same thing happened. Eyes filled with tears, lip quivering, so upset, running towards, like, just, just like, so sad. Mm-hmm. 
So like it really hit him in the feels in a way yes. that I don't we don't understand. He's had no experiences with those songs. Spanish lullabies and noted the poetic character and depth of sadness of many of them. He feels that depth of sadness. Lorca's theory was that a large part of the function of a lullaby is to help her mother vocalize her worries and concerns. In short, they also serve as therapy for the mother. (laughs) Combined with lament, lullaby can have restorative resounding properties. Anyway. They're supposed to be soothing, and it is not soothing for young Henry. Yes. So we're wondering if anyone else has experienced this before. While there's been no confirmation, there are many strong arguments that Brahms suffered from a sleep apnea. Speculated that he wrote the lullaby uh, as inspiration for not being able to sleep. Well, that doesn't help I us. I mean, look, I guess the point is we... Ha- I mean, I, I don't know. I guess, I don't know. Why he's emotional he's an emotional baby but like it's so instantaneous it's instant that it's fascinating to me it's like you know it's like watching one of those car commercials where it gets you get real sad yeah and i did some googling and it does seem like this comes up periodically on various message boards Mm -hmm. so i don't think he's like the only child who has ever experienced this but it doesn't seem super common and like no one has an explanation it is you know it's something where i was like oh you know maybe he's it's just something he had something um i don't know he just it's like i I wish i could tell you that there's like some traumatic event that's tied to this lullaby but we've been with him every day of his life so the answer is no there isn't and i just don't I don't understand what it is in the melody that makes him. It's, the, it's not the time signature. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So if anybody out there has experienced this or knows anything about it, let us know. We're putting out the Brahms lullaby signal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. All right. Now <laughs> let's hear from our other signalers. All right. Um, Last week we heard from someone who has a fibroid and they weren't, it's outside the uterus and they, they were leaning towards not having it removed. So we actually got one email in favor of removal and one email opposed. So I'm going to read both. First is from Melody of the Melody Balthazars. Yes. Hi, Dorian Matt. Listening to the pod this week, I'm concerned for the listener with the fibroid on the outside of the uterus. If I can please give advice, get it removed and get it removed as soon as you can. I have fibroids. I found out that I had fibroids by having a 10 centimeter fibroid located on the outside of my uterus triple twist on itself and creating so much pain I couldn't walk and ended up in the ER. I just started a semester in college. My professor had to call for an ambulance during the break in the three-hour class. Side note, I aced the course. Nice. My doctor worked with me to help me get it out during summer break, so I didn't lose the semester, but she said if it did that again, I would have to go into emergency surgery. Long story short, too late. There are too many things that fibroids can do that can cause issues. Get it out, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. Lots of love to all of you. Melody, 
who has been craving a corn dog for six months, finally had one last week. So my hot dog count is one and I'm still in 1,035 square feet with a husband, three-year-old science baby, and three indoor cats, plus two crows in the backyard who are suddenly obsessed with the toddler. Well, I mean, maybe they're like those crows from Dumbo. Uh, were they nice crows? I don't remember. I mean, there are those... There's there are crows who saved someone's life recently. I read I read about this because like crows can be very nice and very mean. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're not nice to them, they can really like gang up on you. <laughs> so, all right. And this is from the anti-removal side. This is from anonymous. I have a very similar fibroid issue and wanted to email because in doing research in the Facebook group and on Reddit, it seems most people enthusiastically favor removal. Neither my husband nor I, nor the several doctors we consulted, believe removal is always proper, though. Our diagnosis is borderline male factor for what that's worth. We got pregnant after our third retrieval and first transfer to fresh embryos, but it ended in a missed miscarriage at 10 weeks. Genetic testing came back normal. Proactively, our RE suggested recurrent pregnancy loss panel before transferring any of our remaining embryos. Our RE also expressed he did not believe the fibroid had been an issue. After our second transfer, one frozen tested embryo resulted in another miscarriage. He let us know he still didn't believe the fibroid was at issue, but the two other REs in his practice strongly believed we should have it removed. He suggested we get a second opinion from an OBGYN that could also do the fibroid removal myomectomy surgery robotically if we chose to have it. We scheduled appointments with two doctors, one being an area expert that was referred by RRE. The other was a doctor at my home OB office who happened to also be the doctor that diagnosed our missed miscarriage and performed the DNC. Both appointments were eerily similar. Both doctors were very hesitant to recommend removal. They both seemed to be going through the motions of giving us the standard info and making sure the risks were very clearly laid out. Both doctors also mentioned the likelihood of this type of fibroid causing an implantation or first trimester loss is pretty much non-existent and fibroids can grow back. Since our RE did not think it was an issue. And since my primary OBGYN had never believed it would be an issue getting in getting pregnant, we expressed our leaning was towards not doing the surgery. Once we did that, both doctors relaxed, visibly so, and started talking with authentic care and concern. We were told the surgery, even when robotically, should really should require at least a six-month healing period, often up to a year, and that REs will push trying to get pregnant too soon. They said this is because what happens inside the body is no different regardless of the method of surgery. Both doctors talked about the risks of death or serious complications, such as requiring hysterectomy hysterectomy being extremely low, but they also had serious concerns because the removal of a fiber that's outside the uterus almost always requires cutting into the uterine wall and muscle to get to it. Unfortunately, there's no way to know how the uterus will heal or if the damage will weaken the uterus too much to carry a baby to term. Both doctors expressed relief that our RE hadn't pushed us towards the myomectomy. They each have had many patients that come in thinking that surgery is necessary to to cure their infertility woes. They both seem to feel REs push myomectomy too often. To reassure us further, one of the doctors let us know he successfully delivered a healthy baby that morning at 39 weeks, whose mother had a fibroid similar but larger than mine. When we went in to do our third transfer, One of the other REs at our practice did my baseline ultrasound. She commented she felt for us in our struggle, but she also said she had really been hoping the fibroid would have been gone. I didn't know what to say in response. It's scary to feel like our decisions could be the difference when the experts are divided. My husband and I may end up with a baby slash babies, or we may end up with a late pregnancy loss, or we may never know. But we feel genuinely that our decision to not remove the fibroid is the right decision for us. 
At this point in the process, that's all we can really ask for. We know we don't want to put my body through any more trauma other than what is absolutely and obviously necessary, especially because the more we've tried to manipulate, the worse our outcomes have been. If fear is why the writer is unsure, there are many success stories to take comfort in. If her uncertainty is based in something more, get a second, third, however many opinions, and not only REs. Talk to doctors that see the pregnancy through delivery. Then take time to digest the info and move forward in a way that serves you and your partner. Sending hugs. Anonymous just turned 38-year-old from Michigan in 1,332 square feet with a 35-year-old husband, 19-year-old kitty, 13-year-old pup, and approximately 20 hot dogs between us in 2021. That is quite a cat. Yeah, 19-year-old cat. What are cat years, do they say? I don't know. Dog years are seven, cat years are nine lives. I feel like cats live longer than dogs. They do, for sure. Um, well, thank you for that. Oh, sorry, honey. I didn't realize you were indisposed. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for that. So, I mean, look, the fact that we gave you two result, two answers to your question that were both wildly different means that no one knows what's right for you. Yep. So, sorry, we can't give you Way more conclusive. Way to help us out, everyone. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, moving on from fibroids. Last week, we also heard from a listener in Memphis who was looking for a doctor who does intrauterine transfusions. Mm-hmm. And in classic egghead style, we heard from a listener who had the answer to this. Congratulations. You finally did it. It's from an anonymous listener. After six months of listening to the entire backlog of your episodes, you have finally made me pause the pod to send in an email. Yes. I'm a nurse anesthetist, anesthetist in Memphis, Tennessee, and had to reach out to let the listener from this week know that there is at least one OB who does intrauterine transfusions at Regional One in Memphis. Whoa. I have personally provided anesthesia for this procedure, though it has been a couple of years. It would be worth checking into if the listener isn't already seeing a high-risk OB at Regional One, hope she finds a provider who can take care of her. And that is from Anonymous in 2,400 square feet in Memphis, Tennessee. Two Shiba Inu and zero hot dogs since I'm a vegetarian and Matt refuses to count veggie dogs. That's right. Still not counting them. Don't care what you say. Um, thank you. That is really helpful information. And I hope our listener from last week can find this doctor. I mean, if that's not just the most specific news we've ever received. (laughs) It's very specific. (laughs) I don't know. Sadly, Uh, no one does this where I am. I'm where you are, and I know of one person who does. And I've helped with the procedure. (laughs) Come on over. So, wow. Um, All right. Thank you for that so very much. Last week, we also heard from a listener who um, was told by her doctor that she has to lose weight. And we got into a kind of big discussion about that. And we heard from several listeners about this. Okay. Um, The first is Julie, who has a lot of resources. Um, I'm writing in response to the listener, listeners asking for support related to having a higher weight. And I wanted to share a few resources. 
Plus Size Birth, a website with resources for those trying to conceive or who are already pregnant. And that is plussizebirth.com. The Association for Size, Diversity, and Health, ASDA, an organization that uses science-backed medical research to promote the health at every size paradigm, which takes a weight-neutral approach to healthcare and critiques using the BMI to determine health status as the BMI is based on bad science. Hayes, I'm just going to say Hayes because I don't know if that's mm-hmm, how you mm-hmm. say it, talks about studies that show that the stress of fat stigma actually has worse medical outcomes than the actual weight. They also share studies that show that permanent weight loss is not physiologically possible in most cases and that yo-yo dieting is harmful to everyone's health, regardless of your starting weight. They focus on promoting healthy eating and movement in a weight-neutral way, i.e. you may or may not lose weight in the process, but that is not the point. And that is at asda, A-S-D-A-H dot org. The Hayes Community, an online directory of doctors, medical professionals, and others who use this weight-neutral approach so you can get medical care without them making everything about your weight. That is at hayescommunity.com slash search. The Health at Every Size Facebook group, a space where many where people discuss many topics related to weight neutral health, including pregnancy. Full disclosure, I'm a member of ASDA and, int- and I integrate Hayes into my social justice work, though I'm a thin person. Hayes has been hugely helpful for me personally in my own journey with disordered eating, and I've seen it be really transformative for many folks with larger bodies. Thanks for this podcast. Julie in Toronto, who uses she, her pronouns. Um, thank you for all of those resources. I think they will be very helpful for some people. Um, do you have anything no, to No, I'm just add? like trying to still figure out why Henry cries at Brahms Lullaby. Oh. I'm trying to read, I've been reading about it. Have you come to any conclusions? None. This is what I'm saying. No one seems to. No know one has an answer. I know it's very weird. The only thing that people people are like, oh yeah, that happened to my kid too, but like no one knows why. Yes, well, it's not the why I'm even concerned about. I'm like, well, what is this? Okay, now does that mean that your child is not a sociopath? Kind of a sociopath? Like, what is it? Are all your feelings tied up to songs so you don't actually have any empathy for humans? What? I'm just curious. That seems crazy. All right. All right. Okay. Ashley Sicily, longtime egghead, also uh, wrote in about this. Hello, friends. I had to literally pause the pod. The letter from the listener about disordered eating, then being told to lose weight from the RE in episode 333 really struck a chord with me. I'm 5'7 and fluctuate between 245 and 255. Haven't been on the scale in about six months, so who knows where I'm at now. I've always been a bigger person. I've tried every diet out there, several stints at Weight Watchers, Noom, intermittent fasting, going vegan, et cetera, et cetera. I was told at every appointment with my first two REs to lose weight. And I was like, no shit, I've tried. It's not going to happen. Can we work with what I've got? And both were like, no, you have PCOS and the only thing you can do is lose weight, then your ovaries will ovulate which is a bunch of bullshit because there are straight-sized folks out there with PCOS who also do not ovulate, and they are not told to lose weight. I was actually denied surgery for a uterine polyp because my BMI was at 40, straight-up fat discrimination. I began working with a therapist and a dietitian about intuitive eating and found a new, kinder RE. In our first meeting, she brought up my weight. I told her I'm getting help from other physicians for that issue, and I do not want to discuss it. Also, I do not want to be weighed at my appointments, and if I must be weighed for dosing purposes, do not tell me the number. With the help of my therapist, dietitian, and research from other folks with PCOS online, this is what I think helped me conceive last time. Vitamin D supplementation, ovatosol supplement, 
lower glycemic foods, again, working with the therapist to avoid setting off my disordered eating and strength training. Whatever the listener decides, I hope they know that bigger bodies can get pregnant. I was 238 with my first pregnancy and 255 with my second. I would also suggest a second opinion before moving on to donor eggs. Best of luck to this listener. Ashley Sicily, one Costco hot dog in Marietta, Georgia, 1,200 square feet, two adults, one science kid, and one pandemic baby. That also sounds like a novel. One Costco hot dog in Marietta, Georgia. (laughs) Um, Ashley, thank you for sharing your experience. And I'm sorry that you had to go through all this bullshit. How's the, I'm curious. How's it, how's it going with that dietitian and therapist? Thank you. Nutritionist therapist, I guess would be actually the word I wanted to use. Thank you. They, they said dietitian. So, oh, well then I rescind my previous correction on my word. Usage. <laughs> um, all right. Let's hear one more email on this topic from Claire. I'm writing in response to all the discussion of weight and eating on this week's pod. I really related to the listener who said, I always gain the weight back unless I practically starve myself and exercise constantly. It's really hard to feel like I should have to live that way forever. I could have written this exact message. I've struggled with my weight as well. More than once, I've lost 50 to 60 pounds only to gain it all back. I frequently have the same experience as the listener. I would practically starve myself, exercise all the time, and get positive feedback from others. But internally, I was physically and emotionally exhausted and anxious all the time. For me, therapy and medication have been really helpful. Trying different diets didn't work because I was just treating the symptom and not the underlying issues. I've started to realize that my real issues are anxiety and depression. Disordered eating is just a side effect. My therapist suggested Wellbutrin, and it has really helped me to quiet the anxiety, obsessing, and negative self-talk. Without the constant noise in my brain, I'm finding it easier to listen to my body and feel when I'm actually hungry or full. I never, ha- I ne- I never actually tried to maintain my weight. I've always been gaining or losing. When I shifted focus to eating intuitively, the constant pressure to lose weight disappeared, and so did most of the shame, stress, and anxiety around food. I naturally stopped binge eating and have been able to maintain my weight without too much effort. I'm still pretty early in this journey, but I feel so much happier, even though I haven't lost any weight this year. Sorry for the novel. To connect this back to the listener who is deciding whether to lose weight for IVF, I would suggest therapy to help work through your thoughts and f- around food and weight and try. I know that what is working for me isn't necessarily the right thing for everyone, but losing weight for someone else won't help you stay healthy for the long term. Also, both my kids were conceived using donor sperm, and it doesn't change how much we love them. We had to switch donors between kids, and browsing through them all makes you realize that everyone's family has something, so I wouldn't spend too much time agonizing about health and family histories. That is from Claire in 2300 square feet in Norwood, Massachusetts. Eight to ten hot dogs eaten in 2021. All while maintaining your current body weight. I love it. Yeah. All right. We are going to take another hot break. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Thank you. That's on uh, the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, which I don't think Henry's ever even seen. Um, He has seen an episode and was not that interested, but that was a while ago. He was laughing at the TV yesterday. He was laughing at the speech therapist dropping an egg. Oh, yeah. He thought that was hysterical. Oh, my God. She was, it was a slippery egg. And she kept going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he was like, and he looked at us to go, aren't you, why aren't you guys laughing? <laughs> this is hilarious. Uh, All right. Okay. We'll be right back. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, now he's. I was ready. Hello, everyone. We're back. It's been quite a while since we last spoke to you, but to you, it has been no time at all. It's true. That's how it works. Yep. We have gotten no answers on Henry's uh, emotional music state. Nope. We have gotten some answers on Dory's brother's golf handicap. Oh, thank God. Which you didn't know I was wondering but as we are going out to the east coast they needed to know if i was getting shots or not i sure am thank you <laughs> okay so now we're here we what have we done since then well henry has spent a little more time with uh oh he helped me fix a a, a putt practice putter thingamajiggy he like genuinely helped. I I needed to like reattach this little piece that shoots the uh, ball back down the ramp there, essentially the ramp. And I said, Henry, do you want to help me fix this? And I said, I'm going to need to get some tools though. And I went into my office to get a screwdriver and a hammer. And I came back out and he had just opened the drawer and was handing me a screwdriver from the kitchen. And then he sat up on the dining room table with me and he kept putting the little screwdriver on the back of the wood, thinking he was helping. And uh, we, I glued it, I put some, some wood glue on there, pulled the nails with some pliers and reused the nails. And we fixed it and he helped. So that's what's happened since then. Maybe he ate a nail. I don't know. Okay. I don't think he ate a nail. You don't know that. Okay. That's all I'm saying. All right. Okay. Well, we're going to move on to a uh, an email. What do you think this that bird is doing right now? You hear a bird, right? I do hear a bird, yeah. It's probably looking for Henry. Maybe that's what a stoat sounds like. <laughs> uh, Henry's old pal, the stoat. Um, okay, I just want to give a little content warning for this next email because it does deal with um, baby death. So if you would rather not listen to it, I would fast forward, I don't know, five minutes or so. All right, this is from Emily. I've been listening to the pod since the beginning. Thank you for what you do to help people become more informed and feel less alone. My husband and I had been told we would most likely need IVF to become pregnant, but we were going to try three IUIs first and actually got pregnant with our son on the third. He's now a very chatty and active three and a half year old. Then we were one of those crazy stories of becoming spontaneously pregnant the old-fashioned way when we had been told it was basically impossible. 
Our daughter was born two years after our son and seemed perfect. We found out, though, from the routine newborn blood screening that she had SCID, Severe Combined Immunodeficiency, also known as Bubble Boy Disease. Since she had no immune system, we started our COVID-style quarantine about four months before the rest of the world to keep her healthy until she was big enough to receive a bone marrow transplant. Wow. She was matched to an anonymous bone marrow donor through Be The Match since none of us were matches, and she had an excellent chance that the transplant would be successful and she'd go on to live a normal life with a working immune system. Unfortunately, she developed many complications, mostly due to chronic GVHD, graft versus host disease, and passed away in March at 16 months old after a long struggle. It was It's still hard to believe she didn't make it after everything she had to go through, and we're obviously devastated. This all brings me to my question. My husband and I were told by our daughter's doctor that to have another child without SCID, since there's a 50% chance any child of ours would have it, we could use IVF with PGT. It's tough because our family really felt complete after our daughter was born and we weren't planning on trying for more. I think I'm going to want another child eventually, though, because I always pictured having more than one and I really wanted a sibling for my son. The problem is right now it just feels too soon to be thinking about another kid in the midst of grieving our daughter. And we're not sure what we'll want in the future. But it's a little time sensitive because I'm about to turn 35 and I know our chances aren't getting any better the longer we wait. And it would be nice to have the two kiddos relatively close in age. And I know it can be a long process. So I guess I'm just looking for advice. Has anyone had to make a decision like this following an unexpected tragedy? Would it be worth it to set up a meeting with a genetic counselor sooner rather than later, even if we haven't made a decision? Also, I'm hoping you wouldn't mind sharing a fundraiser I'm doing in my daughter's memory. I'm raising money for BeTheMatch.org as I train for the Chicago Marathon. BeTheMatch continues to do research on the bone marrow transplant process, including GVHD. It's my hope that by raising money for research, others in my daughter's situation might have a better outcome. For my first fundraiser, for every $5 you donate, you can tell me one song I have to add to my running playlist. It could be songs you genuinely like or ones you think it would be funny to make me run to or both. My fundraiser page, um, and she links to the fundraiser page, which we will link to in the show notes. And she also um, adds her Instagram where there's also info, which is miles in memory of Stella. Thank you both again for the podcast. I look forward to Monday mornings and especially appreciated having something good to listen to during the months I spent with my daughter in the hospital. Emily, three hot dogs eaten in 2021, two of which were cut up in mac and cheese, my favorite comfort food since I was a kid. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for that, listening to our show and saying nice things, but also amazing that you're running that marathon and, and doing that wonderful uh, fundraising effort in your daughter's memory. And good God. So sorry to hear about it. But I do think that it's a very fun idea to run that marathon with songs you're forced to listen to. I do too. I like that. I would suggest um, Jamiroquai's Virtual Insanity. Possibly that song about butterflies. Okay. Uh, the 311 maybe. Sure. I'm trying to think of bad songs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not that I, Demir Boy, I don't think is a bad song. I was actually listening to it this morning. Uh, I mean, I could think of some, some good 90s jams to put on there. Ride the Lightning. Just the entire Ride the Lightning album by Metallica. How about, how about Life but, is a Highway? 
Sure. I think that's an excellent song. Thank you. To run to. Yeah. Oh, wow. But I did have some thoughts regarding your situation and and whether or not I mean only you're gonna know again this is like a silly thing to keep saying to people but you're gonna you know you'll know when you want to be having that kid. I would say that you're under less of a clock than you think you're under because of the need for genetic testing now and the the um, thought of let's do IVF and do genetic testing on the embryos. It's not a situation where like you're going to be naturally conceiving. Right. So the 35, I mean, you're still very young. So I'd say you're maybe not under the quite the rush you think you're under. Yeah. So I would give, I give yourself time, give the family time. Um, if you need the time. But you know, I also have the thought if you could handle it, you could always do IVF, create the embryos, and then not do a transfer for a while. That too. You know, if I you, guess what we're both saying is like it doesn't the the the, the decision does not need to happen right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we will be thinking of you. And if other listeners have thoughts or advice for Emily, please share. And um, again, we'll share the link to her fundraiser in the show notes. Um, I in other need- news, uh, a stoat is between a ferret and a weasel. That's where it falls in the in the in the in the taxonomy in the stoat facts. <laughs> Um, I need the thing for voicemails, please. Okay. Let me, let me dial that up. Beep, bo, beep, beep, beep. Boop. All right. Should be good to go. Okay. Let's see here. Oh. Stoats look like tiny bears. They do? Doesn't it? No. Looks like a tiny bear face. It does? I don't think so. You don't think that looks like a tiny bear? (laughs) No. This face does not look like a tiny bear. I mean... You are... Really? I'm going to play this voicemail about feet. All right. Whatever. Hey, Matt and Dory, I'm calling you back to update you on my rheumatology uh, appointment that I had today. Oh, I'm constantly the one that itchy feet. Yes. And the hydroxychloroquine. I recognize the, the birds. And the shingles. Anyway, um, I am calling you from my quote, menagerie, which is my backyard. Um, apparently loved by all birds. <laughs> um, I hear an owl back there. I talked to the rheumatologist <laughs> yesterday, and he said it is possible that all of the hormones and shit. Um, from the transfer triggered some sort of inflammatory response that kind of was like lingering that I didn't notice before and the hydroxychloroquine was blocking it from me like noticing it during the transfer cycle and then I went off of it and it takes a few weeks to start getting out of your system Uh, he said actually usually it takes about six months if you've been on it for a long time and I was on it for about six weeks he said it takes eight weeks to fully get in your system and then six months to fully get out of your system. Um, 
so yeah that's interesting he's like obviously we need to do like blood work and i need to see you in person because this was virtual appointment thank you fucking covid um (laughs) anyway yeah so that's it um matt i did see a podiatrist i've seen all the doctors matt (laughs) all the doctors um going to see endocrine doctor on friday as well to check out the hormones um do I think there's a psychological component to this? Absolutely, because I was stressed the fuck out. But is it psychosomatic? Probably not. <laughs> um, thank you, though, Matt. Um, yeah, I'll keep you updated. I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, I've got a, another appointment in two weeks because apparently there is a shortage of rheumatologists and I can't get in to see him in person for two weeks. So I'm just going to hang out till then. Uh, have a nice day. If Bye, this guys. were an episode of House, I would discover that it is a rare bird that you're allergic to. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, um, thank you for that update. Bo, would you like to exit? He's, he keeps going. <laughs> what? What? He likes to do whatever is least convenient Hi, for Bo. us. Hi, Bo. Um, so we actually got we got a few other people playing house, playing Doctor House. Yes. Um, and oh, Bo, you just sneezed on me. Well, that's because you wouldn't let him out. Why don't you let him out? I can't get past you. Oh my god! Boy, oh boy, she's not happy about this, guys. Come on, Bo. What if he's like, no, I've decided not to. Come on. Yeah, the dog couldn't even fit past the chair. Thanks, Bobo. You're the best. Take care. Okay. All right. Let's hear from the amateur doctors out there who are much like myself. Okay. This is a response to the woman who sent out the signal about her itchy slash painful feet, etc. I don't personally work in healthcare, but my husband is a general internist who enjoys diagnosis, kind of like house, tip, topical. And I made him listen to her call. This is what he said. It sounds like a functional neurologic disorder. This is a real disorder that is due to problems of attention and information processing in the brain. A big problem with this disease is that standard tests come back normal. So the patient and their symptoms are often not taken seriously, which can be super frustrating. He suggested that she try to find a functional neurologist slash psychiatrist. He knows of someone in Ontario, Canada, but I'm not sure where this woman is. Here are some resources. I realize these website names sound sketchy, but apparently they're legit neurosymptoms.org and findhope.org thank you for those um, suggestions Um, we also heard from Stephen Azar on this topic oh wait a second why is this not working okay here we go Hello, Dory, Matt, Henry, and Bo. This is longtime listener Stephen Azar calling in response to the strange itching in the feet signal that went out and also in response to the we-don't-have-much-content signal that went out from you guys, too. <laughs> um, I am not having this symptom in response to trying to conceive, as I am a dude. Um, but I do have a phantom itch in the middle of my back that seems kind of similar. Um it is called notalgia paresthetica, and it's basically caused by a weird impinged nerve somewhere upstream of that spot in my neurological system. Um, 
it's just there's a spot in the middle of my back that itches because of no good reason. Um, I haven't done anything except for some basic stretching above that in my neck and stuff, and that usually makes it kind of turn off. Although I do have a back scratcher and I just scratch it for the heck of it. And that causes some weird discoloration in that spot. I have seen a dermatologist and they said, uh, yeah, that's just this thing dude. just deal with it. Um, what you might want to try doing in addition to following up with your rheumatologist is, um, do some stretching along the lines of where those nerves actually go. Um, you might also want to think about seeing a chiropractic doctor if you, um, are inclined to see that. Also, if you're really looking for some relief, an acupuncturist might be able to help as well, at least with the short-term symptoms, until you find a uh, medical specialist that can f try to uh, diagnose why this came on in close temporal linkage with the stuff that you were doing for your uh, trying to conceive. Um, and yeah, no, um, this sounds like it's really a... a a problematic situation and I hope you can find some relief. Uh, this is Stephen Azar signing off <laughs> to adults for adult size kids, two cats, one dog in fifteen forty five square feet in Cupertino, California. Cuper. One mile south of the superconducting Apple Collider. <laughs> uh, three hot dogs so far, all from Costco when I have been going there for other reasons. Have a great day. Oh, and Matt, um, I'm, gone from an eighth of a ton to a seventh of a ton so i am definitely looking for a partner in the weight loss situation so hit me up oh oh whoa that is interesting oh i gotta do something anyway that by the way good information um the other thing i was gonna say Regarding that, you know, Ari has had a thing like that, you know, that itchy spot in the back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he said that, like, once he got a cortisone shot from a dermatologist or something, and he said it, it was amazing, hmm. the greatest moment of his life. And That's then, and then interesting. it wore off. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, I mean, it's like, a, it's a real thing a real uh nerve thing you know what i mean yeah uh, hence the numbing taking care of that right 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 fascinating okay um all right we're gonna move on to a different topic um, from Melanie. Hi, Matt and Dory. I've recently been interested in how you guys discuss language development on the pod and also really appreciate that you've shared your experience with Henry's speech. I was wondering if you could share when you started to notice or be concerned that he might have a delay. Was it all along or at a certain age? Did it cause you a lot of stress? My daughter turned one year old a few weeks ago. She started doing baby sign language with me around seven and a half months and can now do several signs, more eat again, all done book, etc. She understands so much of what I say to her, follows directions, etc. So I know her receptive language is very good. However, she doesn't often imitate me verbally or try to say words. She said Dada purposefully a few times and has maybe said mama purposefully, though I'm not sure. When she says mama, mama, she gives me a coy smile. So maybe... She has just recently started to say meow. In all my reading about development, I'm worried that she isn't saying more or even trying to. Part of me is worried that she feels comfortable using signs and isn't motivated to use speech. 
though I've read that isn't usually how things go with sign language. Not sure if I'm overreacting as a first time mom or if I should be concerned. Anyway, thank you for sharing your perspective. And if any other eggheads have thoughts or similar experiences with kids, I would be curious. Melanie with one husband and one science baby in the Philly suburbs, 2,724 square feet, zero hot dogs. My apologies, Matt. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I would say I first started kind of noticing when he was around 20 months. I started like noting things. I wasn't like super concerned, but I just started kind of noticing and I brought it up with our mm-hmm. right teacher person. Um, and she was kind of like, you know, the big thing to worry about is if they're losing words, um, I wouldn't worry. And then I brought up with someone else and they kind of told me the same thing. Like, I wouldn't worry. And then like right before he turned two, like a few months, a few weeks before he turned two, I was like, I'm worried. Like it was suddenly like, mm, he's almost, he was suddenly like almost two and really had very few actual words. Yeah. And I, and my thought process was kind of like, it costs us nothing to get him evaluated. And like worst case, they're like, oh, he's fine. But like, let's get him like professionally evaluated. That's the worst case that he's fine. No, I mean, there's no like, there's no reason not to get evaluated. Right. Is what I'm saying. Yes. Like, like if they were like, he's fine. Then, oh, okay. I wasted, uh, I wasted three hours of our time. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but if there is something, right. then they will be able to pick that up. I am not a speech language pathologist or professional. So I can't, you know, based on what you say, I can't say, um, oh, it sounds like your daughter is, you know, not hitting. Like, I don't, I don't know that. I guess what I would say is if you feel concerned, then talk to, I would start by talking to your pediatrician. And then um, if you're, you know, if you're really feeling concerned, you could contact your, I think, I think every state has early intervention um, programs that are free. Um, And so you can just call up, you can get a referral from your pediatrician or you can just call them up and say, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about my kids language development or physical development. Occupation, like they, they do it all. They do occupational therapy um, and they will evaluate your kid and let you know if you qualify for services. Your kid has to be like a, in a certain, they have to evaluate them at a certain like percentile um, for them to qualify for services. So, yeah, I think basically what I'm saying is I don't think there's any harm in getting them evaluated. Um, but it's, you know, it's totally up to you. And I would, if you, if you have concerns, I would talk to your pediatrician first, maybe. So it's just my, my two cents here. Yeah. Um, all right. We are going to get to a, an email that we didn't get to last week. Okay. What from is Amy. My boyfriend and I are going to Disney World for a week in July and would love some recommendations. Reading through blogs from Disney adults is my personal hell, and I know Matt has lots of strong Disney opinions. 
Maybe your favorite ride slash attraction in each park, Disney and Universal, and best restaurants. We're staying at a hotel walking distance from Disney Springs, and the amount of restaurant options there is a bit overwhelming. Thanks in advance. Uh, I mean, Disney Springs is overwhelming in and of itself because it is just, uh, you know, restaurant central. So, you know, it's Morimoto and guy chicken guy guy fieri's chicken place oh you know that's that's your disney spring stuff i mean look you go to your magic kingdom and here's the secret everybody the food at disney world is not good it's not really that good anywhere in disney world disney Mm -hmm. springs maybe it is i don't know i would love to go to gideon's bakehouse and try one of their giant chocolate chip cookies they don't ship them i've never had one i've seen them they look good and giant. So that's number one. <laughs> uh, breakfasty wise, I would, you know, Chef Mickey's books out like a gajillion years in advance. But if you can get a breakfast reservation there, the nice thing about the the buffet style, I believe it's now family style, but it's all going to be fresh, you know, because it's mm-hmm. going to constantly be being made. So that's that's tip number one. Um. Okay, so favorite thing in each. So I, I like the cattail thing, the you know the Cheshire cattail pastry in Disney World. It's in Fantasyland. I liked that, and then I liked the apple cider thingamajiggy from Gaston's Tavern. Now, as far as eating a meal there, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> And then as far as my favorite ride in the Magic Kingdom, I mean, I don't know. That's that's, that's tough. Space Mountain is better out here. Big Thunder Mountain is better out there. Snow White Seven Dwarf Mine Train is always a big line. That's a good ride. I like the Hall of Presidents, but that's closed right now because they're building a Biden. Oh, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So that that's that. Now Epcot Fish and Chips uh, at uh, Rosen Crown, which is the at the uh, UK Pavilion. I like the fish and chips over there. I also like steak very much, and the steak at, at La Cellier, Canada. So Canada and England doing the food right. Who would have thunk it? And as far as rides go, Spaceship Earth, baby. I love Spaceship Earth. And then I also like the Frozen ride because I just imagine that it's Maelstrom, which was the ride it used to be. Then we'll hop over to Disney Hollywood Studios, which is you know quite a ways away here. We'll go to the Brown Derby. What are we going to have there? A Cobb salad. Doesn't sound too exciting, I know. But trust me, a flight of martinis and a Cobb salad, you'll be fine. But what a ride there it used to be the great movie ride. It used to be my favorite ride there, but that no longer exists. Now, what do you do? You're stuck waiting for Rise of the Resistance or something, or the Millennium Falcon. I would say just just wait in line for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I bet it's delightful. I don't know. All right. Well, Animal Kingdom. Oh boy, here we go. Really going through every park. That's what they asked for, is it not? Uh, yeah, it is. Oh no, I thought they meant. In each park, they meant Disney and Universal. 
I haven't gotten to Universal, I didn't, which also has I didn't, two parks. I didn't think they meant each park at Disney. I thought oh, they I meant. I disagree. Okay. I disagree. All right. Well, go on. Animal Kingdom. Here we are, everybody. It's Animal Kingdom. Paper straws. I would say bring your own if possible because it's not going to last through one fountain drink. Um, as far as what you should eat over there, eh, it's all okay. Nothing's great. Thank you. What you should ride, Everest is a fantastic roller coaster. I know a lot of people say, hey, you got to get on this flight of passage. If there's not a huge line, go for it. Otherwise, whatever. Now we'll go to Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. I recommend buying the pass that gets you on the front of the line. You can buy it there. Whatever you need to do to save yourself $130 so you have it to pay for the stupid express pass. It'll make your day 800 times better. And uh, as far as what to ride over there, I mean, Jaws is gone. Back to the Future is gone. Fast and Furious ride's terrible. Harry Potter World is, is fun. Oh, yeah, it's better sure. than It's better than the one here. Way better. So head over to Hogwarts and maybe get yourself on the oh the Velocity the Raptor coaster is uh, new I don't know what that's like and I don't know what to eat over there thank you <laughs> Islands of Adventure the Hulk the Incredible Hulk roller coaster is the best roller coaster I've ever been on still I would say enjoy it and don't eat before you go on it thank mm, you good idea. All right. I once wrote it 16 times in a day. Yikes. Okay, Matt, another question for you. Mm -hmm. What are the VR workout games you recommend? My husband threw his back out doing a boxing one and is in desperate need for a substitute. Uh, How's he going to really move, though, if he threw his back out? Well, I mean, look, Pistol Whip is great. It'll get you moving. Um, And it's a a pew-pew game. Pew-pew. And also, uh, obviously, Beat Saber. Download the Green Day pack and play that. And then, um, boy, that Zombieland game is a lot of fun. You'll see somebody named uh, Operation Grand Slam. That's me. He's probably ranked number one in the world still on a lot of those levels. You're welcome. Oh, boy. Okay. Um and our last email is from Amber, who said, "Hey, all, just wanted to let you know that July." Whoa. It, what? Amber is the color of your energy. Okay. We could run to that song. July is National Hot Dog Month. Yes. Let the hot dog eating begin. Thank you for my fave podcast, Amber, and uh, she includes the most important information in one thousand eight hundred and eighty-six square feet, North San Diego area. One husband, one nine and a half year old, a two and a half year old boy from a rogue egg through suppression meds. Okay. He tells us his name is Trash Truck and a post varicocele repair seven and a half month old boy. I've had at least nine gluten free beef hot dogs, no bun in 2021, mm. but soon will grow due to National Hot Dog Month. I appreciate you celebrating National Hot Dog Month. <laughs> um, Thank you for that important information. And, you know, it's probably the only information anyone ever tuned in for. <laughs> It's true. It is National Hot Dog Month. Well, uh, guess what? We're going to tell you. It's July. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show, the part of the show where we thank our Patreon supporters. And just a reminder that you can support us on Patreon and get up to two bonus episodes per month at patreon.com slash excellent adventure. 
We love our Patreon supporters so much. Recorded another, we recorded an episode today, everybody. We sure did. And if you support us at the $5 level or above, you not only get those bonus apps, but you also get your name read on the podcast each month. You also get the quite massive back catalog of Patreon episodes. Think about it. Two a month for the last four years. So many months. It's got to be 143 episodes, probably. All right. Well, thank you to the following patrons. Thank you, Gita Drury. Heather. Jane Ennis. Jennifer Sika. Jennifer T. Brennan. Jenny Fick. Jesse Fisher. Jesse Labadee. Janan H. Joanna Reinwald. Caitlin Donahue. Karen Perelman. Katie Allen. Carrie L. Kristen Anderson. Christine Kelly. Laura Bennett. Laura Madge. Lauren Schultz. Lisa Bartley. Lynn Nugent. Madeline McCarthy. Mara Fast. Maria Bishop. Mary Messick. Mary Myra. Oh my gosh, she texted me and I forgot. Just reminded she's okay anyway megan madden madaris megan madaris melanie bronbeck melissa merrill h nancy olson nicola hill nicholas gidmore nicole mustafa narantha belagopal rachel kuzma robin samantha shauna mandel sir reginald pennybottom steph gorelnik susanna perez the buyer sees and wendy fick thank you so much Bye, everyone. everyone. All right, go have some hot dogs uh, starting July 1st. Thanks. Bye.